Hi and welcome to another episode of Up Next. This is your host Ali Murtadam, and today I'm joined by Simran Chaudhry, the founder of Bluefin. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So, hi Simran, and welcome on Up Next. Ah, uh, hi. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on, and I'm really excited to hear more about your story and your business, Bluefin. So, why don't we start off by you telling us more about it? Sure. So Bluefin is a robot that can collect waste and water. Um, our focus is mainly from preventing more waste from going out to the ocean in the first place. And the way that we do that is by we designed uh, Bluefin to do that um, by catering it for like to rivers, canals, ports. Um, and we're focused on collecting surface waste. This would include like plastics, biomass. Uh, as long as it's on the surface, Bluefin can eat it right up, uh, eat it right up. And um, yeah, I mean, Bluefin essentially, it runs in both uh, a manual mode and a autonomous mode. And the way that we do that um, is control it through a telemetry remote. It's almost like, uh, think about your remote controlled RC. Uh, it's very similar to that. And um, in our autonomous version, we control or we've assisted Bluefin with uh, Google Maps, almost like for Bluefin, where we can give it a route uh, and set certain parameters that Bluefin can just continuously follow. Wow. So how did you get the idea for the, the idea behind Bluefin in the first place? Oh, that's an interesting uh, question. I think, um, you know, for us, it's always just been about the problem. Um, Bluefin just started because we recognized the big the problem with climate change. We recognized how big of a problem ocean pollution was. You know, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch in itself is like, last time I checked, uh, 20 times the size of the UAE. Um, and there is seven other islands of waste uh, exactly like that out in the ocean. So for us, it was just more about, okay, this is a problem. What do we do? And Bluefin seemed like the perfect solution for that. And, you know, you got, all of, you got the idea while you were a student, but then the interesting is that you were a finance student. So how did you end up going in such a completely different field? Um, I think it was mostly just recognizing what I was good at and what I didn't know at all. Um, and so like you just pointed out, you know, when it came to mechanical engineering or electrical engineering, those were not components that I was studying. Um, but, you know, having having recognized that I could go out and say, okay, look, this is the idea. I'm terrible at mechanical engineering or electrical engineering. Uh, what do you think about it? And would you like to work together? So, you know, just being, I think, honest with myself and saying that, okay, I don't know that, it helped me approach people that were a lot better than me at it. Wow. I mean, that's the way to go at it. You know, you recognize your strength and then your weaknesses. You can't be the perfect all-in-all -all entrepreneur that is an engineer at the same time and then running the business and developing it. I mean, you just can't. Absolutely. You can't harness all the knowledge. And, and like in the age of Google, everything is online. So it, it's not that, you know, you could not go online and learn it. It was, I, I definitely had my fair share of learning uh, when it came to all like the technical details, uh, details uh, regarding Bluefin and like the technology that went behind empowering it or creating the solution in the first place. Uh, but I had to recognize that the speed at which I would be able to learn uh, would take me a lot longer than me just, you know, going out and saying, okay, I suck at this. Um, would like if you're better at this than me would you like to work together 
Exactly, and I'm sure that it helped expedite the process because you only launched about two years ago, right? Absolutely. And then you've you've went on to being featured in, by CNN, by news outlets all over the UAE, and I think you guys even had like, tested it in the Dubai Marina, if I'm not wrong, or in the Creek. Uh, yeah, Dubai Creek. Uh, well, yep. more like Dubai Canal, to be honest, not really Dubai Creek, uh, although it is all connected. Um, we went ahead and we did a pilot there for about two weeks. So how was that like, you know, seeing something that started from paper, that it was literally just an idea in your head from trying to help the environment and then, you know, it became a reality? Oh, I mean, sometimes I think it surprises me even today uh, when I can like sit back and reflect and it's just like, I have absolutely no idea how it happened. Um, it's, you know, when we started, I, I, I definitely have to say that shit out was a big part of it. Uh, they did give us a lot of support and a lot of, uh, it made the journey seem or feel easier. Like you had, you know, outlets and people to go question and, and talk to and say, okay, I'm stuck. Uh, what do I do? You know? Um, so that did really help uh, in, in, in I, I think, smoothening out what was a rough journey or a rough road ahead of us. Uh, but it, it's, it's a, it's a it's it's a feeling I can't put in words to be honest. Uh, whether it was you know at, at Charger Entrepreneurship Festival, whether it was uh, when we made it to CNN, whether it was uh, no moment, uh, you know, have I, uh, I? I have absolutely no idea how it happened. I, I do not know how to explain uh, <laughs> how it feels to uh, see it. You know, like even even just from like going from like a design that you've been working on to seeing a physical prototype uh, come together and have it work in water, uh, that in itself, you're just, you know, like you can, you can just sit down for a second and breathe uh, because you're just like in this like constant, like uh, fast pace, you know, where you're just every single day you wake up and you know that, okay, today I am working on the basket design. Today I'm working on the pontoons or today I'm working on the hull design. And what is the capacity of this going to be? And how, what electrical components and the battery life? So when all of it finally just comes together and you can see it run in front of you and, and you know, do what it's supposed to be doing and, and what you designed it to do, um, I, I, I have no words uh, to, to explain that feeling. It's just a very, very good feeling. Uh, and, it, and it lasts, you know, for about uh, a good half a day until you have to, like, go to the next step. Uh, and, and you know that that's not where it ended. And I think that that's part of uh, what makes it so exciting. You know, I, I think uh, why I personally, you know, love startup is, is just the growth. You know, there's no moment that's exactly the same as the other. You're just constantly moving and you're constantly, you know, dealing with things and you're, you're constantly growing, hopefully. Um, and, and that is, I think, uh, the best way to describe. I mean, I, I think I'm happiest in this growth uh and and this constant change uh period definitely i mean in the startup world there's never kind of a checkpoint where you reach it and then okay i can move on to the next business or okay this is have uh, this has been like this is well grown and i can now move on to the next thing there's always a, the next step and that you're saying you celebrate for half a day and then you go back again and then you keep working again for the next step and then after you achieve that it's also half a day and then you move on and it's just non-stop and I want to go back to a point that you mentioned, which was HALT, the HALT prize. And you guys were preparing your designs for it and you guys competed in it. So how, in the first place, how did you end up joining HALT? Uh, okay, I mean, so so let me give you, I mean, okay, so 
slightly maybe longer story. Uh, I first did Halt in 2015, uh, where I did not compete with Bluefin. And uh, the original Bluefin, uh, or let's say, you know, the, the first Bluefin team that, that you know, came together, um, with that, we did not compete in Halt. Uh, it was after about a year where I think it, this was about actually last year uh, that the problem statement was very similar to what Bluefin would fit into. Um, and it was uh, around that period that we went into, like we went through some internal like governance uh, and you know just internal restructuring uh, as a startup. And uh, we just thought, why not? Honestly, you know, entering that health prize was not something that we had prepared uh, for from the beginning. It was just very like, okay, this is coming up. Let's just try doing something about it. I still remember that day very clearly. Uh, I had, you know, the, the day of the the day of the on campus pitch. Uh, we probably like slept barely like three hours. Woke up early in the morning. Went to Dubai for a different conference. Uh, you know, came back, attended a few classes, and I don't even know if there was a like assignment or a test or quizzes or whatever was going on that day. Um, and after that, it was just I, I think from about like uh, I think even before one, uh, it was just dark, like constant preparation uh, for that pitch that day. And uh, yeah, that that was that was how we. But I mean, essentially, we did not actually apply under the same name for Bluefin. And, you know, what was the idea behind the name? Like, how did you come up with the name? Um, so Bluefin was just, I mean, it was it was inspired by Dolphin's design. If, if you look at pictures of Bluefin, you can see that curve. Um, and so, you know, blue for the color of the water and, and Dolphin for the inspiration. And so it just became Bluefin. And then it just kind of stuck. <laughs> and you're doing all of this for such a great cause. What was your inspiration? Because, you know, you were talking in the beginning about the patches in the Pacific and everything, but I'm sure that you learned about this later when you started in your research process and everything. But in the very, very beginning, when you got an idea of a startup, why did you choose to target this thing in specific? I mean, I just think it was too big to do nothing about. Uh, I mean, yes, you know, Bluefin targets or has, has, has a very ambitious goal. Um but it was, that's, I mean, you to, to, for us, actually, you know, the research, a lot of what we found out was in the research in terms of, you know, the specific components of what makes up the waste, how the waste is traveling out. Uh, so, to, you know, to find the exact problem, you're right. That was very much the research process. But um, before the research even started, we were very well aware of what was happening to our planet um, and the kind of waste that we're putting out there, you know, Um so we were all actually very well aware of like plastic in general and, 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 you know, the harm that plastic is causing to our environment. And it was only after we started looking, like you had said, looking into this, we realized how big the problem was. And, and for me, it was just, you know, um, I, I, I couldn't get it out of my head. I, I couldn't, uh, I just couldn't sit back and do nothing. And, and, and that's about it. You know, when you recognize it's, it's our planet, um, it is, it's, hopefully, you know, a, a, a home that I will grow old in and I would eventually like to, you know, be able to grow old. I am not to, not to, you know, uh, take words out of Greta's mouth, but our house is on fire. 
And, and exactly. if, if the youth doesn't do something about it, then who will? Definitely, I mean, in 20 or 30 years, all of the people in power controlling legislation and actions relating to all of this kind of wouldn't just be here. And that's, that would be due to natural selection, like not anything else. And it would be up to us. And I think we are the generation that is blamed for pretty much anything. Like, you know, there's, there are uh, like, there are wildfires in California because you're always on your phone. The social media, the social media, that, that, you know, and stuff like that. But then to see the effect of, you know, social media and the internet and all that and raising awareness on everything that is happening thousands and thousands of miles away from us, that it will affect us and is affecting us because, you know, this is our planet and it's up to us to take action. But I, I, I mean, I personally don't think that it's enough for us to wait until we're 50, 60, where when we're in these positions of power, like, I'm not sure, I mean, probably you, you know about this, the um, the kind of the watch that they, or like the clock that they put on in the New York Times Square that has like a countdown showing how long the earth has left. There's like seven years left on this thing, if it's true. So we don't have, like, we don't even have a second to spare our planet is literally on fire our planet is drowning this is very true and it's very sad to see like world leaders around the world denouncing the problem or kind of not even saying that it exists but it is up to us just realistically right like you have someone like donald trump this guy's like 80 in 20 years he's not going to be ruling anything it's going to be up to us and the next generations to take actions that's even if the next generations are going to be there Absolutely. And I think, you know, how many times have you, and for us, it was particularly like with water, just because, you know, having, having grown up in, in, in the GCC, you don't see a lot of waste, you know, out, out when you go to the beach, uh, most places have, have, you know, very well-maintained uh, beaches and, and water, but like even in our countries, when you, when then when you start going out and you can see that change, when, when you can go to like a public beach and you go out to the water and, and you find uh, a plastic bag or you're walking by the beach and you see a cigarette butt or you see a, you know, someone who just left their plastic bottle uh, on, onto the beach or, or in the water. It's just, uh, I, I think that was also just a very big wake up call. Definitely. I mean, it, like I was saying earlier, the only time to take action and the best time to take action that we have is now. Absolutely. You know, because all over like Instagram and social media, you always see these posts that are shared around like a turtle with um, like plastic straws. around it, yeah. right? Or or straws up their nose and stuff like that. And then people just share it. And, you know, it's not like sharing it is nothing. But at the same time, there is no on-ground effect or not even on-ground effect, but not even like the development of ideas. And, you know, this is this is why I'm very, very passionate about, like, the work that you guys are doing. Because it's generally amazing, like, seeing something come out. And the fact that you guys are still quite young. I mean, you just graduated. And in two years, you already had something that is in the water. You know, it wasn't just an idea or something that you had shared on Instagram. Even though sharing on Instagram, like, is still better than absolutely nothing. But still, you know, it is something that is a proof that our generation can and will take action. Because we have to take action. I mean, there's we can't just sit idly, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, now I want to move on to the next stage where with the theme of the podcast, you know, you kind of share a bit more about the challenges and mistakes and the things that you face that will hopefully help people that are interested in, you know, be it entrepreneurship, social entrepreneurship, or just something in this field in general. So first things off, I am sure that you ran into a ton of challenges when you were starting out. So, um, I mean, as far as you can remember, what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced throughout your way? 
Oh man. Um, I, I think we're going to definitely need longer than we probably have booked for this podcast uh, to talk about every single challenge. Um, but I think, you know, I think a lot of the struggle was not even, um, or a lot of the challenge were, challenges were not even at the beginning of Bluefin. They started well before when I had recognized that I wanted to do something in social entrepreneurship. And that started with my first Halt Prize uh, in 2015. And I, I think, you know, early on, even, even, even with Bluefin, it was just, how do I manage my time? And how do I find this work-life balance that everyone says that I should have? And, you know, there is midterms and, and classes and, uh, you know, all this like university life things in my face. Uh, and all I really want to do is, is work on Bluefin. And so uh, I, I think that, to be honest, was, was really my biggest challenge. Um, and, and that taught me a lot of time management. It taught me a lot of the value of time. Uh, you know, it's not that I didn't value it before. I, I knew that we had only 24 hours in a day. Uh, but all of a sudden, uh, you know, there was a lot of these things that I wanted to do and things that I had to do with university. Um, and, and just learning how to be able to allocate that and, and have energy. And um, I, I think, uh, yeah, you know, that, that, that really taught me a lot. I mean, definitely time management. I mean, just going through uni alone is just hell on its own, right? So to have uni and then to have something that you have to build from the ground up and invest pretty much every like second of free time that you have into it, because it needs it, right? It's still at the very fetus stage, you know, if I might say. it's still, It needs every single bit of investment to even, like not even get up on its feet to exist and to begin with. Yeah, and I mean, not not even just that, but I I was also so torn because that's where I wanted to be, you know. So it was very difficult for me to like switch this like bluefin like bluefin off and say that okay, no, I need to study for my midterm, or like I have to remember that I have like a quiz. Like there were in the beginning of bluefin, I remember there were moment like moments that I would walk into class and find out what's happening because I had just like completely lost track of you know, what I was doing and what I had to do for uni. And it was, it was, it was, it was pretty bad. I, I'm not like very proud of that. Uh, but yeah, it was very difficult to be able to just, you know, compartmentalize and say, okay, now is a time for, you know, um, finance 330. And now is a time for, you know, um, MIS 303. And now is a time for me to work on Bluefin and I need to work on these particular things. So I wasn't very good at, you know, just switching off and like switching on and being able to just, pause on something and focus on, on something completely different uh my my brain was just initially just completely on bluefin um and so that that's also where i learned a lot about how to be able to then you know say okay i have to block my time effectively i have to start attending classes i can't just keep skipping classes and like spending all my time uh working on this and and that that's yeah i, I mean um I, I will not say learning it was easy. I had to, there was a lot of strategies that I went through, a lot of different to-do list apps, a lot of different calendars, uh, you know, and then finding the right productivity app and I don't even know what. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I can say now I'm, I'm definitely a little bit better at it. I, I wouldn't even say that I've achieved uh, the level of productivity that I probably still want to. I mean, it is an extremely difficult challenge, especially because I feel when, you know, when you look at people that are successful 
for example, on social media, and they always talk about, okay, like, if you want to be successful, especially at this age, you got to work and work and work, like, you know, you just got to work 24 hours a day, uh, you have 24 hours a day, you sleep eight, and then you're going to work, the, like, the entire rest of the day, you only got, like, 30 minutes to do anything else, but in reality, it's much more complicated, you know, you find yourself wasting time by just going through your phone or, like, talking on a group chat, because, you know, we're humans, it happens, so it's very difficult to especially block out a lot of, um, instincts in you to just go and waste time or just go and hang out with friends and do stuff like that and kind of um, match that uh, ideal time uh, management structure that we're so we think we're supposed to follow that okay if i say that from one to two and like i only spend like 59 minutes of the 60 studying then no i did bad i gotta make up for it i think like it takes time to realize that you gotta factor in the human factor exactly because like the human imperfection is literally just always going to be there and you can't do anything about it. Absolutely. I, I think I, I literally put it on my schedule, like wasting time. Cause I mean, I know I'm going to do it. So if I just leave it there, I'm going to feel better about it. At least th- this is something I can cross off my list. Like I find myself on my bed, just watching a 20 minute YouTube video, even though I have a midterm the next day and everything, but still like it takes my mind off of it. So I just put right. it in my to-do list. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a great way to do it. Uh, I, I honestly, for me, the to do list thing did not work as well as I'd like. And especially like planning out far too much in advance. So like now the to do list for me is definitely a sticky note instead of an app. Uh, and that sticky note has to like visually be stuck in front of me so that I can like take things off. And usually I make it like at the beginning of the day uh, so that I don't put something on, you know, that that I feel then guilty about for not doing or you know, it's just more realistic for me this way. Um, and yeah, as, as if it's not on my calendar, I don't think I'm going to do it. Like uh, every single meeting, every single like engagement, um, I b- just started following the, my calendar. Uh, but I haven't gotten to the extent where, you know, I, I've been like, like be too difficult with like what I'm, what I'm blocking it. Like there, I, I think you're very right about, you know, incorporating that human factor. And I think it's just about recognizing and not giving yourself a hard time if you're delayed on something or if you are, you know, if let's say you, did, you didn't finish a particular task, just it's okay. Catch up with it tomorrow. Know when the deadlines for things are so that you make sure you're not, you know, losing out on those deadlines. Um, but but you, I, I think that's like one of the most important things, like whether you're in university and trying to do startup whether you are, uh, you know, whether you have a job and you're trying to run a startup or build a startup, um, regardless, even if you're just 100% focused on startup, um, that time management thing is just so important. Definitely. I know that that is just one of the challenges that you faced and that you were saying you could just go on and on and on for hours about some of the challenges. So something that I like asking is, was there ever a point with all these challenges where they all stacked up and then you maybe thought to yourself, okay, this is the, this is it. I'm not going to keep going or this might be it. You know, that kind of thought because it's always there, but just sometimes it's louder than other times. Hmm. <laughs> um. I think um, there was never a moment that I questioned whether I wanted to do startup. Um, yes, I, I think, you know, like you said, there are moments that you will have that debate with yourself. Um, I, you know, before before Bluefin, um, I, I, I was working on campus. I, I worked with Professor Rodrigo Basco for fam- in like in family business research. 
Um, so I made a good chunk of change, uh, you know, good pocket money that, that came in. And um, that was very nice. It was very difficult to, you know, eventually when I couldn't handle like university and my RA job and, you know, Bluefin at the same time. Uh, I, I think it literally got to a point where you can ask Professor Rodrigo this also. He had to fire me because I could not quit. He, he literally had to go like, Simran, you told me in the beginning that this is what you wanted to do. Just go do it now. You know, the opportunity is in front of you. And it was like a very like light discussion um, because he knew that I just, I couldn't ask for help. And I, and I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't say that I wouldn't be able to do it. So I was having a very tough time uh, properly letting it go. But uh, eventually once I did, I think the only time that I felt like that you know that i felt like oh you know startup is this, when you start like weighing the pros and cons of like having a job versus being in this uncertain environment that you don't know uh when you know rewards going to come knocking uh you know when you when you're working at a job it's a little bit more structured a little bit more like okay i know the next step uh, i'm gonna get my like salary at the end of the day um it's you see results a lot quicker than you uh, might in, in, in startup. But I will say that when you do see results in startup, you see such good results. And, and it's like, it's, it's a completely different, you know, feeling altogether. So, um, of course, you know, when, when um, I, I was quite proud of myself for, you know, not needing any pocket money from my, you know, dad anymore. And, and being, uh, I, I would say semi-independent. Um, so, so that was very difficult for me to, you know, now have to go back and say, okay, uh, hi, dad. Uh, <laughs> I need a little <laughs> bit of money to survive. <laughs> um, hey, dad, I'm trying to have lunch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's that uh, there were moments. Uh, there were definitely moments like that that I uh, wanted to go back uh not really go back, but there were moments that I appreciated. I think uh, the perks that came with the job. But uh, I, I think, you know, with startup for me, it was just that I, I could never stop. Uh, there would have been, like like you said, you know, there were moments that you had, you recognized uh, the perks of the other side and the grass on the other side definitely looked greener. Um, but it was, you know, for us, it was just always that you're, you, we were in it for what we were doing. You know, and it, and it didn't matter whether it was a robot that collected waste and water or whether we were, you know, setting up like beach cleanups. It didn't matter how we were doing. Uh, we just were so focused on our ultimate goal, which was, okay, we need to just prevent more waste from going out. We need to collect this waste. We need to figure out what we can do to do our bit in, in solving this problem. Exactly. And I think I was about to say this because startups is all about the long game, in my opinion. And I think Omar, when I had him on the first episode, he said the same thing, right? He said, okay, I worked in a company, but then when I worked there, the most, not achievement, but the most progress that I saw or the most thing that I saw my um, skills and myself go into would be, you know, a report, a project, things like that. But when you're very hands-on on a problem that you're very passionate about or something that you're trying to solve, like in your case, I think that, that hands-on feeling and feeling that you are directly linked to the problem you're directly linked to solving it, I think that just makes up for everything, you know, and startups and starting stuff on your own, be it a business or whatever it is, I think it's all about not stopping 
because there will be so many moments where everything is literally against you where every where you're too overwhelmed or every single bone in your body is telling you to stop right but then i think with stopping you stopping is the biggest uh, loss that you can make i mean you know i i definitely think that's why passion is is a very interesting factor for an entrepreneur um in in whatever they're doing or i think just in general for for people because passion is is what helps you in those moments you know in those moments where you feel like maybe the odds are just stacked against me and i should give up or maybe i should take that you know job and be okay with my little cushioned you know life uh it's 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 in moments like those that you just you're not able to move past because you were just so passionate about what you do and and that's sort of what helps you make that that slightly irrational decision uh to continue when when the rest of the world would would say no and and when the rest of the world would uh you know logically thinking and very rightly thinking that okay the probability of me let's say you know succeeding down this path is 1 in 100 so i should you know logically and i think you know like you no better person to understand this than you because i think like the in, in economics right the, the basis or or the assumption that we make is that people are rational human beings and and they make rational decisions and and i think uh, in moments like those uh, passion is is what helps entrepreneurs makes make that irrational decision to keep going exactly is that irrational uh, voice in you that you can't explain and you know i always imagine this feeling of just going with it even though when everyone is telling you not uh, i always imagine it as if like i literally close my eyes and i think of it i raise my knee up and i think as if i'm crossing like a pathway or a door even though there's absolutely nothing like i'm sitting in the middle of my room and if you just pass by you think like i'm retarded or something and i just literally close my eyes and imagine myself just walking over this virtual obstacle in a way cuz that's what it is you know like there are a lot of challenges from the outside world money uh, not getting support the recognition all of that but then there's a lot of challenges from within you and i think once you take over that you are way more than ready to face whatever the outside world has for you absolutely it's it's a mindset um and and if if once you've achieved that mindset no external problem um can stop you or 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 take you to a point where like you 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 like everything would come crashing down once that i i think it's 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 mostly just that growth mindset i think um you know i i recently watched on netflix um the last dance which was about michael jordan and uh you know the the final um season or playoff um with for um with with the miami heat and and the team uh and how you know they had won consistently consistently all those championships and and it was just you know to summarize it was it was mostly michael jordan showing up like it was the very first day like the your like if you just had to be consistent with with the amount of effort that you were putting and that that's it you know you you show up every single day like you have to you know and you just give it your best every single day and and as long as you can be consistent i'm not saying that there won't be bad days there will be days that you will need your friends to you know uh drive you down to karak and and just talk about something else and there will be days that you will might even want to just break down and uh deal with it you know uh i i i also think that you know like you had 
like you had mentioned earlier, it's always hustle, 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 right? Um, so sometimes that hustle culture can negatively impact an entrepreneur and it can definitely come down on you very hard. And it's, it's very difficult because I think it's very, very recent that in entrepreneurship, uh, everyone has started to talk about, okay, how hard was it? And, and uh, that was not something we did before. Um, and I think we, we still don't do enough of because otherwise entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship is like this glorified, um, you know, overnight success when overnight success is really just, you know, 10 years in the making. And uh, whether you look at Jeff Bezos's story, whether you look at um, anyone's story, there, there's a lot of hard work that went in uh, before they blew up in the media and before everyone found out about them. So it's it's not going to be easy, but I, th I think it's definitely going to be worth it. Definitely. And I think this is the um, the kind of the invisible part of hustle culture because everyone in like you see hustle, hustle culture and all these like motivational pages. Like, and you do this, do that. Like you have seven days a week and then they calculate and find like how many hours are there in the week if you work on this. Uh, you can sell like X amount of products and all that. But I think, I I personally think that the taking care of your mental health and taking care of your well-being and acknowledging that there will be bad days, acknowledging that there will be days where you don't want to get out of bed is a part of hustle culture, but it's just not shared about the most. Like, you, I've, you rarely see like the big 50 entrepreneurs back then, you know, now a lot of people are focusing on it. But, you know, back then they wouldn't say like, okay, so today I had a bad day. No, they would say, okay, so I just hit a million dollars in sales or I just hit X, Y, Z, you know? Absolutely. I, I think it's very important to recognize that everyone's hustle is different. You know, not everyone can be like Mark Zuckerberg and get into Harvard in the first place and then drop out of Harvard uh, and, and, you know, do all the things that Facebook has done today. And, you know, sometimes every entrepreneur, like I did not drop out of university um, and I really wanted to complete my degree. Um, and I, I, you know, even, even when Bluefin was, when I thought that Bluefin was, you know, getting a lot better and my heart was completely in Bluefin, um, I could not make the radical de like decision to drop out of university. So, you know, everyone's hustle is different. If, 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 you know, as long as we recognize that and we don't try to mimic someone else's hustle, if you can, you know, go from eight to five to work and then from five to 10 work on your startup um, and, and you can figure that out and you are okay with that and that, that's what you can do and take, then great. You know, there's no set pathway. There's no like, um, you know, formula to success that you have to drop out and then do this and then do that or you have to quit your job and, and then, you know, completely 100% do that. Uh, if you can do that, then that's great. And if, if that works for you, then that's that's fantastic. But um, I, I think with with hustle culture, what we just need to realize is that everyone's hustle is different. Exactly. And, you know, another thing that I really think people can learn from is mistakes. So what do you think is a mistake that you made along your journey with Bluefin that people can learn from? Oh, I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, if I had a penny for every time I made a mistake, I might be a billionaire. Some may even say um, but no, I think, I, I think the, the biggest learning curve, uh, and I think the biggest mistake that I made, which I'm very, very grateful for, for making very, very early on, uh, very, very early on, um, was just team dynamics. You know, um, I, 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 I've played sports all my life. I thought I was a great team player. Uh, I thought that, you know, okay, I'm, I'm, I, I work pretty decently when it comes to like university projects and everything. Uh, but when it comes to startup and, and you know, the, the people that you're working with, 
it's very, very different. You know, you are spending and for, for us at, at Bluefin, it was very different also because we weren't, you know, if you, whenever you hear about like startup stories, you think about friends who've known each other since high school, or you, you think about people who've known each other for a very long time before getting into business together uh, or starting a company. And uh, that really wasn't our story. We were, we were all, you know, about like we'd all come together because we all were working on the same problem and there was synergy like on paper between all the skills and, and, you know, and, uh, and just everything that we were working on, there was synergy in that, you know, like there was a mechanical engineer an electrical engineer, and then I was in business and we were all working on something similar. And so when this team came together, it fit on paper. Um, and, you know, I, I, I definitely did not recognize how much harder it would be to work with someone almost like, you know, 24 hours a day, not that's an exaggeration, but like, you know, work long hours with and every day with, and, and there's bound to be conflict and there's bound to be, you know, moments where, where you have conflicting visions or, or conflicting um, ideas about how things should proceed. Um, and, and so that taught me a lot just about how important um, the team is in a startup. Um, you know, an idea is, is great. I, I, I'm not saying that your idea is not, doesn't have value. Uh, you know, it's great that you've come up with an innovative idea or whatever, but um, the team behind it, if, if they are not able to execute together, if they're not able to work well together, um, then even the best idea can fail. Um, and, and so, you know, having those fights early on, um, you know, having the clash of like mindsets and personalities and, um, you know, even just understanding more about myself uh, and, and what I'm good at and what I don't know enough about and uh, being more aware about that, I think, made me a better team player. I mean, definitely, it's extremely important is that you're saying you can have the best idea in the world, but if the rest of your team isn't on board with it and can't do it, then it's absolutely useless. Absolutely. And you know it's very common to like have a clash of ideas because and if anything it kind of shows because you guys kept growing regardless of all that it shows that you guys were passionate about this so whatever the conflict was it was all towards the same goals so there was surely a way to get over it and find you know a common ground or just something that serves the purpose better. Absolutely, I, I think that really helped us think more about structure and you know like like yes i was worried about you know like my own to-do list for example but now you had to make like a company to-do list and you had to you know this is when we started learn learning more about like scrum um and and incorporating the scrum methodology with just how this team was functioning because you know you had hardware you had soft software separate you had like electronics and there was so much going on uh you wanted a cleaner way to deal with okay what is everyone working on today um and okay if, if this didn't because you know bluefin with with hard tech it, it's a very uh or hardware it's, it's very iterative right you will do something and you will find out that it sucks and then you will go back um and it's going to be in this loop until you finally reach that you know final stage where you think it's just good enough uh to to go forward and so you know because of that process we had to we had to start you know uh, implementing all these techniques internally and saying that, okay, even if we're going to fight, we're going to fight or have an argument or like disagree about, about it productively, you know, because if, if as an entrepreneur, if you don't know where the problem is, you can't solve it. 
right? And, and so it's so important to know where all the holes are. And similarly, we wanted to make sure that we were, we were even like disagreeing or arguing in a structured and positive manner to make sure it was yielding the best results. Because we knew that, okay, it's, it's great that we are, we come from very opposing like mindsets um, and very opposing views because we were able to now see all sides of the, you know, all, all sides of the box. And, and because of that, if we could pinpoint all the problems and when we would agree, uh, you know that like we wouldn't have missed a single point. So it was just about structuring that and making sure that it was productive at the end of the day. Definitely. And you know, now as we're getting closer to signing off, this is, I mean, I say this every episode, but I generally love asking this question because you know, no one ever has the same answer as anyone else, literally like out of the 7 billion. So as Simran, how do you define success? How do I define success? You know, it's uh, funny you asked me this question. I was uh, only once, uh, apart from this time in my life, asked this question so far. And uh, even then, uh, this is exactly what I said. Um, and it was impact. That's it. Uh, I will, once Bluefin hits its milestones with the number of waste we are able to collect, uh, that's going to be many successes. And, and the biggest success would be having to basically say that Bluefin is no longer required. And we have gone out of business because all the waste in the world has been collected <laughs> and there is no more waste to pick up. Uh, that for me is, is, is going to be success. I mean, I think this is the first time I've ever heard anyone saying that their goal would be to go out of business, but it is for one hell of a cause. So I think this is better than any other answer that anyone else would have given. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, this actually kind of, what you just said led up to my final question, which is what do you see in the future for, um, for you, firstly for yourself and for Bluefin in the next couple of years, month, or just what the what do you think the future has lined up for you? I think so. I mean, when it comes to Bluefin, we're working on very exciting things. We're working on a newer model. Uh, the pandemic did take a little bit of a toll uh, on us because a lot of our work is hands-on. And with the lockdown, uh, we were not able to do that hands-on work. Uh, but we found, you know, we, we found other ways uh, to cope with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, for us, it, it's just about right now redesigning uh and, and taking into account everything we've learned for our, from our first prototype to make the prototype that we believe um, is going to be more effective in, in collecting waste and, and maximizing, you know, the, the, the efficiency of an operation, regardless of which water body it's in. Um, and for me, I think uh, for me and for Bluefin, it's, it's the same. I don't know uh, <laughs> what I can tell you. Uh, I, I, I don't consider it separate. Um, so yeah, that is uh, currently we're we're very much focused on that, and and hopefully uh, in the next few months you'll be able to see the new bluefin in the water very soon. Hopefully, and you know on that note, once again, thank you so much for joining me. And as weird as it sounds, I wish you guys go out of business. <laughs> thank you very much. Once again, thank you for tuning in, and I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at the Ali or follow the podcast so you can know when the next episode is out. <laughs>